0: No purchase necessary.
2: Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
0: Good morning and welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Erdix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And joining me here on the Inclusive Class this morning is
1: my co host,
0: Terry Morrow. Hi, Terry.
1: Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow, I am the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education. And I write about about specialneedsforabout.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, but the chat room will be open as soon as I actually open it. I'm having a low-tech day today. My coffee maker didn't work, and so now I am all disorganized. But I will try to get that open while we're talking. Uh, If you'd like to stop in and suggest a question, I'll try to work it in if we have time. I'm very excited today to mention uh, as I think I did last week, that the Reader's Choice Awards are now up and, and rolling on my about.com site. Yeah, uh, there I are eight that. categories, of special needs parenting blog, online community, uh, new parenting book, memoir and children's book, uh, f- uh, favorite app, favorite regional resource, and favorite special needs Twitter feed. So I encourage everybody to go on my site and let me know what your favorite resources are uh, and... Um, there should be a link there at the top of the site to guide you to the Reader's Choice Awards, and uh, I am really eager to hear what everybody is loving. I always find great new resources doing this, mm-hmm. and um, I look forward to the nominations and then on into the voting phase. So that is taking all my attention and frantic work <laughs> this week. <laughs> what's, your wor- what's your week been like, Nicole? Uh, field trip.
0: Oh, <laughs> that was the big thing this field week. trip. Yes, okay. we need to do a show on field trips. I think that's yes. a whole yes. area of exploration because it
1: certainly I, is, and fraught with danger for it, our particular it population. It is <laughs> in so Just
0: many ways, so many different things that could happen, and even for a child that typically can handle uh, unstructured time or uh-huh. a change in environment it's still a stressful day. My daughter went out on a field trip a couple of days ago and came home just absolutely wiped. And it wasn't an overly intensive field trip. Mm -hmm. However, it was just the stress of the bus and the noise and the group of kids and the teachers' um, lack of supervision at the site because, you Mm -hmm. know, there's uh, not a lot of, um, I would say, Skilled adults that are equipped
1: to deal with it. well. This is yeah. yeah this was I why so. I always went on the field trips. You know, yeah, because that I could at least then keep an eye on my particular kid and and his friends, um, mm-hmm. and assure that if something was happening or somebody was melting down, they got
0: taken. Well, care in of, early
1: el- elementary school, of course, we were invited to come. But as
0: the kids mm-hmm. have gotten older. We've gotten That's the note true. saying that there is no room on the bus <laughs> for you. <laughs>
1: well, maybe it's a so, sign of my particular kids. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Mrs. Morrow, <laughs> you're coming. I don't know what
0: it is. <laughs> but uh, Anyway, I wrote that down as a as a note to myself that we need to address that somehow down yes, the road. definitely. <laughs> that definitely. And, what was the other one um, before
1: school in the, because you yeah, mentioned something earlier. Yes. Too. Before that is, uh, that is a dangerous spot I think a lot yeah. of parents don't realize exists because you Maybe. just assume your kid gets off the bus and goes into class. Mm-hmm. A lot. So unstructured <laughs> Not so <much>. time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <clears throat> that was a note to myself, I
0: mean, excuse me. Very good. Anyway, that was the highlight of our week, or low uh-huh. light, I don't know, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, yes, we are uh, actually going to be shifting gears from young children um uh-huh. who we talk about a lot on our yes. show and we are going to be talking about educating adults or young adults uh, yes. in uh in the inclusive that classrooms. I in right now
1: so that's, that's great right.
0: inclusive situations and in particular we're going to be talking about educating adults with autism but I'm sure that many of these um you know suggestions and tips that we'll hear on the show today will apply to other uh adults in the special needs population as well so Joining us here this morning to help us with our topic, and our discussion is Rhonda Greenhawk. Good morning, Rhonda.
2: Good morning. I'm so happy to be here.
0: We're happy that you can join us. I know that you uh do a lot of work in your field in terms of researching uh, adults with autism and researching, educating them, and you know ways, best practices. So looking forward to talking to you
2: about it this morning. Great! It's an exciting topic.
0: Yes, yes, and one that I think, as you know, many people, their children are getting older, you know, are facing that question of, you know, what 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 is there to, you know, what can we offer yes. our children? What can we offer our young adults? What is available right. to them? You know, what type of situations can they be in where they can be engaged in meaningful opportunities in our communities? So, definitely.
2: What yeah. comes next? Exactly. <laughs> That's a big question.
0: <laughs> That's what I should have named the show. What comes next? But that is a huge question. It is. Well let's get started here and hear from you. Uh just to set us off on the right track, Rhonda, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and the work that you do right now? Sure. And have some-
2: um Well, um, right now I am um I'm the director of the Hussman Center for Adults with Autism. And um, we are, you know, one of the world's largest centers that are university-based and focused on um, adults on the autism spectrum. And um, we're housed within Towson University mm-hmm. as um, an outreach clinic of the College of Health Professions. And so um, the work that I'm doing right now is really developing a lot of programs and best practices and you know, just really exploring very deeply the needs of adults on, on the autism spectrum,
1: mm-hmm. as
2: well as helping to develop students who are Towson students, neurotypical students, and helping to develop their understanding of autism so that they can go on and really transform their communities and their profession. So, for example, I you know I teach two courses here, one in the honors college and one in the um, in the college of health professions, and I work with uh, college students at Towson and create mm-hmm. opportunities for them to participate in our programs alongside of adults with autism. And the students here at Towson are sort of they're at the pinnacle of their sort of social expertise. They're social experts so they can provide the young adults with sort of information and feedback and encouragement to you know sort of increase their social participation skills the young adults with autism are the experts on autism and right. they can they can teach the um young adults um that are college typical college students all about autism so it's really this mutual learning experience and um our programs are open for anyone that's on the spectrum um, you know, so we we're not focusing on you know people that are you know sort of really functional and doing well and you know uh, characterizes more the asperger's population or we're not focusing mm-hmm. on you know the the students that are really struggling. We're really reaching the broad you know range of the spectrum because we really feel that that's really important for student education. Mm -hmm. as well as opportunities for young people on the spectrum.
0: Now, what do you think are some of the challenges, what have you seen as being some of the challenges that young adults or adults with autism face in today's society?
2: What um, young people tell me that are on the spectrum, they say the most difficult part of being on the autism spectrum has nothing to do with the manifestations of autism it's mm-hmm. really the response of people around them, the barriers that other people construct around them.
0: Hmm. hmm. Interesting. So it's basically how other people are responding to them, right? And there, so then there's an inability to engage and participate mm-hmm. on and, that end.
2: Yeah, I, and and a lot of you know I I see this quite a bit as you know a lot of infantilizing. So okay. you have a young person who's a, a young adult um you know but they may be talked to and treated as if they were a child you know and oh. and I think even people you know that have some profound um you know disab- disabling aspects of autism you know really deserve and, and want to be respected as adults Mm-hmm. and And they want to be given agency over the decisions in their lives
0: right and the the husband center where you're working right now how or what do they have in place or what do you have in place that addresses this these challenges, and mm-hmm. you know what type of programs or opportunities are provided then to help? young adults or adults with autism, you know, face these challenges?
2: Well, we do a lot of, we have a lot of programs that are, you know, sort of interest-based programs that young people on the spectrum that are out in the community and their families can access based on the interests or the the needs of the the individual. So, for example, we have a, a speech and pragmatic language program that they can come in and take... And within that program setting, there we have student mentors that are Towson students that are participating alongside with them, and mm-hmm. so that for the you know for the young person on the spectrum, they're getting access to quality programming you know the programs run by a, a speech faculty member mm-hmm. they're getting you know access to skill building for the Towson student you know they are you know, having some of their first experiences with someone with a disability or someone who's, you know, on the autism spectrum, and so it's really demystifying that experience. Mm-hmm. And they come in and they're filled with dread when they first, <laughs> you know, go into these yeah. experiences. They're filled with a yeah. lot. You know, they're very the unknown. You know, yes. Yeah. But then by the end, it's we see it as being very transformative. Really. They, they are walking away. As advocates and allies for people on the spectrum.
0: Well, I know just from past discussions that we've had, inclusion is very empowering uh, for both ends, you know, both both, sides of people that are participating, and uh, that's one of the, you know, many outcomes of inclusion, and that we advocates often tell people is that both both ends are -hmm. You know, benefiting and are, you know, receiving lots of information, gaining lots of new skills. It's definitely a win win situation overall. And you're seeing that.
2: We are seeing that, absolutely. And, you know, the students tell us, you know, well, I've, you know, had classes before where we've learned about autism, uh, you know, a definition in a textbook. This. Mm -hmm you know, helps me understand autism in a way I never would have before. Mm -hmm. These inclusive experiences are vital to their education. And for the young adults on the spectrum, I mean, our institutions of higher learning have historically not been accessible for many people with disabilities. And so, you know, we are opening up the college experience for more and more people by offering these programs. Our students, even if they're just taking a, you know, an enrichment course at the Hussman Center, they'll tell me, they'll say, I go to Towson, uh, our young people on the spectrum. Yeah. It really makes them feel connected in a way they've never been able to before. Yeah. And for a young adult on the spectrum who, you know, they... Exit out of the school system and these you know relationships that they've had with their special educators and their um peers are just ripped away from them. Yeah. their peers go off to college you know they're they don't they're not working with their therapists and teachers at school anymore, and oftentimes they're just kind of sitting at home alone, and so they'll tell us they mm-hmm. we have a wonderful social group that happens every Friday night, and they'll tell us um this is the only place I have friends.
1: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think it's really, I, I've really been impressed and happy with the way colleges are starting to step up and, and include kids. My kids are now both in college, and uh, you know they're certainly getting some support uh, for being there. And I also just look around their community college, and I see lots of kids with disabilities. I know there's a program there for students with autism also. And it seems like for that level, that the colleges are starting to step up and be more inclusive. I think certainly as, as we have inclusive in the younger schools, you know, if you're inclusion all through school, college is what you do next. So it's right. great that there's a place for everybody to go to college next at, at whatever is. level they need it to be. However, then you get done with college, and what happens? Uh, there's still a lot of young adults with autism who are unemployed. Well, all all sorts of disabilities actually that are unemployed. I'm I'm looking I'm at so college right. as kind of like a little holding. Pattern for my kids while we figure out what's going to happen after that. So why are, are why is it that so many young adults with autism are unemployed, and what do we do about that?
2: Well, I think you know, and and for our population, you know, I think the the rate of unemployment for the disability community in general hovers between fifty and sixty percent. Mm-hmm. Wow. For the autism population, it's between eighty and ninety percent. Yeah.
0: Mm.
2: And I think historically, you know, even programs that service people with disabilities you know, really lack the understanding of, about how to appropriately support a young person with autism in the work environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk to parents all the time who will tell me, you know, my, my son's job coach, my son on the spectrum, his job coach has a, a degree in dance. Uh. You know, that's not providing, some, <laughs> you know, the appropriate, you know, educational yeah. background that you need to uh-huh. do this very yes. important work. Mm -hmm. So one thing that we're doing is we, we, you know, we're in the process of developing a baccalaureate degree on autism and adult disability and applied degree so that, Mm -hmm. you know, people can can gain the expertise in how to support adults with autism, how to support someone with a disability in the workplace, you know, Mm -hmm. what sort of. What sort of skills and experiences do you need to bring to that environment to to do mm-hmm. that work and, and then developing the best practices to do that? You know, and what I often see are technologies that have been developed for the pediatric population being yeah. applied to the adult population. And it's just really not appropriate or ethical, you mm-hmm. know, to do that. And you see mm-hmm. that a lot in and um, using ABA technologies that have been developed with yeah. children and, and just sticking that on the adult population. And it's not appropriate and it's not effective. Yeah,
1: it's a good point. Uh, what can family members do to encourage the development of strong adults with autism?
2: You know, one thing that I really encourage families is, you know, to to not of place limitations on their young person. You know, I, I think all too often we, uh, and you know, I'm a parent of a of a young person with a disability. I think it's, you know, it's we realize, you know, that our our child can be very vulnerable,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um, you know, we worry about them, you know, being exposed to people that you know that might not have the best intentions. Right. Um and so we we get in this habit of you know sort of being the hovering parents, mm-hmm. and you know some of our most profound lessons in life come from our failures,,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and giving the space and the opportunity to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes in a supported and positive way. I think it is, is really helpful.
1: Yeah. The supported and positive way is the hard piece of that puzzle. <laughs> it's like,
2: it is a hard you know, piece. You want
1: your kid to be able to, to to have the experience of doing things themselves, but there has to be a safety net and how you install that safety net, especially when you're moving. I This is something that I'm into right now because, you know, you've done like 13, 14 years of hard advocacy to get all the services that are necessary for your kid, and then you're supposed to turn that switch off and then turn the switch on in your kid, and they're supposed to know what to do. But, um, you know, when you're switching from a school system that's had his back and that everybody knew them knew him to a school system where nobody knows him in a college environment. Right, right. Um, it's, you know, it's difficult to make sure that it's being done in a safe way. I've really been struggling with that over this past semester, and I'm sure there's people who think I'm a ridiculous hovering helicopter mom. <laughs> um, but we yeah, want our children to be safe. One,
2: you know, we've, we've, yeah,
1: exactly. And we want our children we, to be in, safe. You know, right. you've been fighting for IEPs for That's so right. many years. The instinct is just so sharp, and then it's like it's like saying, "Okay, your your kid has had the best teacher in the world, and now we're going to give them to somebody who's still in school." But I'm sure it'll be fine. Right. You know, it's like right. we're going to give them to somebody we pulled out of the you know janitorial room, but they'll teach your kid fine. It's like, well, no <laughs> way. I want my kid to have a trained person teaching them and advocating for them. So, um, one yeah. thing that we've
2: done at <laughs> one thing that we've done at Towson to try and and address that as we've developed this college orientation and life activities program where we, you know, a college, a young person comes in, they're on the spectrum, disability support services at a university, uh, you know, they're mandated to provide a platform of support that's much less than families are accustomed to at the, the, you know, the pre-secondary level, post-secondary level. Mm -hmm. So we created a, a program where we pair mentors that are, you know, students that have been trained and have had experiences in our programs working with students on the spectrum, um, we pair them with these new college students who come in to help Mm -hmm. navigate things that can be really difficult, like dorm living, you know, how do you use all the university resources, how do you get around campus, and, you know, that level of support Mm -hmm. can be very intensive or it can be you know just a couple of hours a week and it's really based upon what that young person needs and i right. i really you know encourage other institutions to you know i think you know we're we're starting to do a good job of opening up the university to people mm-hmm. you know that are on the spectrum and people with other disabilities but i don't think we're doing as good as we should be doing with educating the student population that are already Mm -hmm. there about how how do you appropriately support your peer, you know, with a disability on campus. So we're Mm -hmm. working really hard here at Towson to develop the resources to support young people on the spectrum when they come to the university. Because when we do, what we've seen is we've Mm -hmm. had tremendous success. So we've had, you know, students coming to us, you know, who've, you know, been, uh, you know, in school, fully supported. And without, you know, the program that we have with the peer supports, they Mm -hmm. they would not be able to attend Towson. But with the peer supports, they got an A and a B plus in their academic work. You know, Mm -hmm. so they belong here. They just need, Mm -hmm. you know, additional support. And, you know, we want to give that to them.
0: Yeah, that's great. I have have a question if you don't mind me jumping in for a second Terry, um, are other universities looking to Towson at this point for, uh, you know, information on how to create these programs, or do you share information with other universities? We I'm do.
2: Just wondering if, you know, okay. We the word's we really think out. it's Yeah, we we really think it's important, you know, to share what what we're doing here, and to, you know, there is a lot of room in this, you know environment, in the college environment, for more programs and, you know, mm-hmm. more opportunities. And we need more, you know. Yes. And, and so, you know, the whole idea is, you know, it, is we're developing things that we hope will be replicated. We encourage it to be replicated. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I would like to see programs like this at every college and university in the country.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I
2: think they there's a need to for be- it
1: bringing up quite a lot. I know just in the last few years, Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of growth in how many are available, and there seems to be new ones and new variations, at -hmm. least in my area in New Jersey,
2: uh, cropping up all the time. Yeah, And, you know, I think it's, you know, what I'm really hoping to see is more of this, you know, education of the typical neurotypical population, so that you know, we can create a lot of programs, but if we just mm-hmm. have, you know, a, a separate program within a university yeah. setting, that's not inclusion. And we all know that,
1: right. you know,
2: inclusion done poorly is, you know, is, oh, is yeah. really not the direction we want to head into.
1: Yeah. So, you know,
2: it's the, the education of the neurotypical population that I really would like to see more of, these mentor immersion classes where they mm-hmm. come in, they, you know, learn about the history of the disability rights movement, sort of the, mm-hmm. you know, the the experiences that someone on the spectrum or someone with a disability brings with them, you know, this history of isolation and, mm-hmm. you know, this history of what it's like to be an other in our society, and mm-hmm. learn about those experiences, learn about, you know, uh, you know, the nature of, of this disabling condition and, what mm-hmm. you know, what can be disabling, and then, you know, have these immersive experiences with people with disabilities so that and they I, I, develop I, I an understanding. I think it's
1: great to, yeah, uh, to relate that also to, you know, other minority communities and issues. Uh, I know that's yeah. a big thing at my kids' colleges is, uh, you know, a, uh, Studies of all different cultures and all different struggles, and so much of the disability rights struggle is so similar to other communities' um, issues, yeah. and I. But I don't think that anybody is thinking of that. So if in the course right. of, it's a natural thing to be studying in college is is
2: the history of of, issues of minority right?
1: communities and Absolutely. struggles for civil rights, and it's to to fit the disability community into that civil rights framework, I think would be really useful for college students and interesting and would capture their, you know, attention and um, understanding. My students
2: are shocked by this. They had no idea. And, you know, it happened, you know, during their lifetime.
1: You know, Mm
2: -hmm. in the early 90s, we're still contending with these issues, and,
1: you know, that's when my
2: students were born, and they're shocked. They, I never knew that this happened, you know, no one ever told me about this. So, you know, they're really enjoying hearing about this history, and I think it, Mm -hmm. you know, it changes, you know, their perceptions, and and that, to me, is very exciting.
1: Yeah, even for something like, you know, we a lot of discussion lately about the R-word, and, uh the yes. language that you use to describe people and such a lack of understanding of where that word fits in with other words that we have decided as a culture not to use. Uh And I'm mm-hmm. sure the college population doesn't necessarily see it that way, and that would be great for them to have that, you know, explained within that context and maybe gain an understanding and be able to pass that on to other people.
2: We spend a lot of time talking about language and about ableism Mm -hmm. and how, you know, words matter. And, you know, and and you need to recognize that when you, you know, come and you're, you know, participating alongside someone on the spectrum, you know, the way you talk to them, the words that you use, those all sort of impact their ability, the, the ability of the young person on the spectrum to trust you. And right. I see, you know, when, when a young person comes into our program, they're very hesitant at first. They're waiting for someone to tell them what to do. They're waiting yeah. for someone to, you know, sort of say things that are hurtful. And so mm-hmm. we've, right. I think, done a good job. And they, they start to get comfortable and open up in ways that they've never done before. So it's really remarkable to experience.
1: Are they able to uh, become active in organizations on campus, uh, you know, the the students closer. on the
2: spectrum we really you know we we really encourage them and, and cultivate them to become self advocates you know we mm-hmm. really think that self advocacy is incredibly important and it's yeah. a process you know because some of us some of the students come to us and first of all we we get some students that didn't even know that they were on the spectrum in, until they were struggling in college <laughs> and got into the well, disability support uh-huh. program yeah. and then yeah. all of a sudden it was you know and and that's you know a very disruptive process for them or yeah. you have people who have been bullied and victimized as a result of being you know having a disability and so they want to keep their disability status as as far away from them as possible yeah. so it's a ve- it's a process a long process of self-acceptance and self-discovery and then you know a growing activism and then you know we we've seen some remarkable transformations and people gaining agency and power and you know and out there speaking up about you know the fact that you know ableism is wrong and we need to you know empower people with disabilities
1: interesting there we well, there's our school bell. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of our uh, discussion time. But this is certainly, uh, you know, very interesting stuff and things that I, I hope will continue to grow and continue to uh, spread to other colleges, and we'll have lots mm-hmm. to discuss about it in the future. Thank you so much for being Thank our guest you. today. Uh, Thank you, Terry Nicole. Can
2: you tell you, us what's
1: the, the uh, address for welcome. your website where listeners can find out more about it?
2: Sure. You can go to com, and you'll see our husband Center link.
1: Okay, and I'll put that up on my website, too. Okay, Um, please join us next week, everyone, when we'll have as our guest Sheldon Horowitz, the Director of Professional Services with the National Center for Learning Disabilities, who will be talking with us about learning disabilities in the inclusive class. Uh, Be sure to follow the Inclusive Class podcast on Blog Talk Radio so you don't miss out on the show. You can also follow us on Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class, and I am at mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E, And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on Stitcher and iTunes. Goodbye, everyone, and have a great week. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you.
2: A lot of fun.